0: Welcome, this is uh, Jason, and I'm with Steve, and you're listening to uh, Matchless Cast. You can find us online at matchlesscast.com. We're still there. We're still there. We're We're absolutely (laughs) still there. Um, Our weekly podcast, (laughs) which has come out. Where have you guys been? (laughs) (laughs) We've been recording. We've just been posting it on cassette tapes. (laughs) (laughs) We've been handing it out to people with Walkman.
1: You know, I've got some podcasts I listen to that are like uh, ministries, like um, preachers and that sort of thing. I've got one or two that I listen to, and the guy comes on after the sermon or after the portion of the sermon, and you can tell that it's an old recording because he's like, you can order the cassette tape or the CD.
0: (laughs) Well, right. at, at least they're uh, recording often enough to need, you know, like some stuff at the end and some stuff at the beginning. Right. But But um, <laughs> no, it was our plan to record every week, and uh, as happens, a lot of times life interrupted. And as uh, Tully
1: Blanchard used to say, "The best laid plans of mice and men."
0: <laughs> I didn't realize that Tully Blanchard <laughs> was the author of that famous quote. What That, he used to, <laughs> that, he, one, that he, one of the four horsemen. He <laughs> <does> <laughs> what he said. <laughs>
1: what he'd always, he'd always say something like, the
0: plans of men often do. <laughs> Steve and I, we quote famous preachers and wrestlers. You darn skippy. That's the the limit to our uh, what we've been exposed to as far as literature and uh, uh, talking and those kind of things. Um, but, no, we uh, we do want to thank you for tuning back in to Matchless Cast and... Uh, We've got a a program scheduled for you today that we're just going to talk about uh, beginnings with grace. And uh, Steve and I knew that since it had been a few months since we had recorded, uh, that it might be a good time to kind of backtrack a little bit and uh, just talk about how to get started with grace or um, what that means and what that would look like in our lives. Um, Whenever I got saved, I was about 19 years old, and within about six months of being saved— uh, in that whole process of understanding what it meant to be a Christian, God really began to pour into my heart the idea of grace. And I can, but I can remember before that uh, the first time that I ever heard anyone define the word. Steve, do you remember the very first time someone defined the word grace for you?
1: I, I remember. Well, I guess I remember in Sunday school, they like wrote it up on a board or something like. Downwards, Right. Like starting at G and, and underneath R-A-C-E, and then they put, like, the little acrostic out with it, yep. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's
0: riches at Christ's expense. <laughs> I was 12 years old. Um, I can remember the Sunday school class, the little block Sunday school class, you know, and I can remember the teacher did the exact same thing. and uh, But I remember that they used a term, and I was only 12, so I really didn't understand what it meant, it was unmerited, Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, that sounds impressive, but not really knowing what that was. Um, I've since come to understand that 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 means unearned or undeserved or something that you don't work for. Uh, You know, if you go out into the backyard and uh, uh, your mom or dad or hires you as a little kid or or promises a little kid, I'll give you $5 if you, uh, you know, weed the flower beds." Then you've merited that pay. You've earned that pay. And uh, but if you're just kind of sitting around in the den and you walk up to your mom and dad and say, "Can I have five dollars?" and you've not done anything other than be in a relationship with them, and they give you five dollars, well, in a way, that's kind of like grace. That's kind of right. unmerited, you know.
1: See, I, I never. Eaten, neither one of those ever worked out at my house. <laughs> <laughs> you never got paid for like, the work. It was like, "Go mow the grass." What are you gonna pay me? I feed you, don't I? <laughs> There's your grace. You got clothes on, don't you? Yeah. You got a place to sleep tonight, don't you? Yeah.
0: But uh, for a lot of folks, I think uh, that's kind of where the discussion of grace begins and ends. They hear the word perhaps in church, or perhaps even before they go to eat, uh, you know, supper. Someone will say, "Say grace," Let's and say we, grace. we call that the blessing.
1: Right. But um, who wants to say grace?
0: What God begins to do is is He begins to put into our hearts the true meaning of grace and the true reality of his grace. And when he does that, it really is impressive how, how much of an impact that can have on who we are and who we see ourselves as. Um, uh, a lot of Christians, I believe, understand grace to this extent, that they have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, trusting him to forgive them of their sins. Um, most evangelical believers on the planet would begin at that point, <laughs> they right, would say this right. is how I know I'm a believer. At some point, I trusted Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins, to guarantee me a place in eternity with him, most would call that heaven, and that I'm dependent on that um, for my salvation. That would be the term they would use. Right. Steve, that's what you grew up with. That's what we're both familiar with.
1: Hey, that's what you hear every in a lot of church in most churches that's what you hear every Sunday because everybody in that church needs to get
0: saved. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone in the audience is not saved. Yeah, and we joke about that, but we do understand the necessity of that. At the end of each service or at the beginning or sometime in the middle, most of our evangelical churches have something we call an invitation or a prayer or something, an opportunity for someone to uh, accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that would be presented almost universally in a gracious way. Yeah. It is, hey, listen, you can't save yourself, but God has sent his son to save you, and we want you to trust that. And so, in effect, all of us begin with grace. All yep. of us who are believers begin with this idea that I have received this thing. The real issue, though, is continuing in grace and walking in grace and living out of grace. Steve, what do you think are some of the impediments to that, that, that people will begin by grace, even those that don't know the term but who will accept the free gift of Jesus for forgiveness of their sins, but somewhere along the line fall short of the full understanding of who they are in Christ and what that grace really means to their daily lives.
1: I think that one of the biggest impediments, is honestly, has been the church. I mean, I, I hate to dog on the church and everything, but but I think that at some point in our history we became so scared that... If we teach this grace thing too much, then everyone's going to abandon <laughs> abandon the structure of the church. You know, everyone's right. going to abandon because they don't need you know. Because all the excuses people always give are suddenly going to be true, and we don't you know we don't want to. But um, and and I think that I also think there's just a desire to see people do. You know, I know for some folks there's just a desire. To see whether it's a pastor or Sunday school teacher, youth pastor, whatever, to really see the people in their care do what's best for them. Right. And so rather than rather than teach the freedom and the in the fullness of grace, I think there's a a pushing to live, walk, act, be a certain way now that you're a believer. You know, I think of that old story of the king. It's, an, it's one of those classic sermon illustrations. King found a boy, a poor boy, under a bridge. Don't know what the king was doing under the bridge, but he found the boy there. was <laughs> just kicking you know. it under under and, the bridge. And he, and he was took, inspecting and it. And he took compassion on the child and, and told him he wanted him to come live with him and be his son. He's like, well, if I come live with you, do I have to take a bath? He's like, no, you don't have to do that to come live with me. Do I have to eat, you know, your food? If, no, you don't have to do that if you want to be, you know, in the kingdom. And so when the, when he adopts the boy, he gets on and says, Give him a bath, get him this food, you know, put him in these clothes and the boys like, You said I didn't have to do all that to come live with you. And the king's like, No, you didn't, but now that you live with me, you do. Oh, you know, and that you. old illustration of, you know, you didn't have to do anything to come to Jesus, but now that you're here, here's what you've got to Right. You know, and I think that that kind of teaching has just permeated so much of, right. of who we are that that a lot of people that sal- well, I've said it before, salvation and, and a Christian walk become almost a burden right. to a lot of people right. rather than rather than what God intended for it to be. right. You
0: know? uh, and we've used the phrase, oh, there's a lot of have-tos instead yeah. of a lot of get-tos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of you-ought-tos instead of, wow, now you're able-tos. Right. And, and I think, <clears throat> so one of the impediments, I think, is uh, kind of the mentality that we have that if we just let these people uh be in relationship with the father and be in relationship with us that 's not enough we We need to somehow um, uh, direct them and it 's not a gracious direction right but it 's right. a direction of of we 're all this way, you need to be this way sure um, well, you might call it a religious spirit and i 'm with you i don 't think that begins as a negative i don't but think that begins in the heart of the person doing it as as, uh, as, as oh, I want to control this other right. human being. Right. I think it just is the natural uh, way that any system on this planet works. It, it gets to a place where things are comfortable for mm-hmm. everyone involved, and those who are comfortable doing it a certain way join that particular group, and that's how they do things. Yeah, yeah. And then you have someone come along who receives Christ, and God opens up their eyes to this whole landscape of amazing truths about himself, and they look around and they want to. They literally say, "Are you guys not seeing this? Is no one else seeing all this stuff?" And then you get kind of plugged into to organized uh, religion or church or whatever, and slowly but surely, all that wonder, all that amazement, all that stuff. It's very easy for it to be kind of stripped away yeah. and be replaced by church work. Yep, and uh, that doesn't mean. And Steve and I both work in, in church and ministry. That we don't value the church, but we we think it should operate out of the gifts of that God has given to each person, yeah. uniquely creating them and uniquely uh, recreating them in Christ. Yeah. So that they function out of the gifts that they have, not out of uh, the false expectations or the wrong expectations that others have.
1: Right. You know, and that's what I'm saying is 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 you don't want to. You know, we're painting with very broad strokes yes, here. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I recognize that, but at the same time. You know, you definitely want to make sure that we understand that that when we talk about the church, and you know, we understand we're talking about that Christ loved and died for the church. Absolutely. And and it's and but what happens is, is we bring our own humanity to the church, yes. and it's and it's because of that that we get in these systems. I really don't think the hard attitude in most cases is, as you said, to control. I think the hard attitude is just to see people do what's best for them, not even do what's right, but just do what is best and what, you know, and what those who have come before and walk the path know is going right. to be the best path. And, and, um, yeah, but sometimes, you know, that turns into what that turns into is that, is that air of legalism. And, and yeah, you might you call know. it,
0: you might even, you might even call it a shortcut. Yeah. It is that yeah. we want to get you from, you know, age one to age five. right? And so we're going to, at age one, put this pencil in your hand and expect you to be able to write like all of us. Yeah. And not realizing that you need the development that takes place two, three, and four to get here. And uh, that can be very difficult when the church needs workers, and the church needs nursery workers, and Sunday school teachers, and deacons, and elders, and pastors, and leaders, is that in some circumstances <coughs> we... We don't take the time to disciple and to, you know, allow people to just follow the master. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was reading a, a great article the other day, and if I find it, I'll link to it on matchlesscast.com, about the difference between a disciple and an apostle. Ooh. And that a disciple follows, and an apostle goes before. And that there was a transition in the life of those men that we call the disciples between they're following Christ yeah. and the cross and the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's a transition where they then become the vanguard mm-hmm. that goes from following Christ to, to, to leading others to Christ. Right, right. And you can't speed that process up. You, you can encourage it, but uh, I don't want to say speed it up. You can impede it right. <laughs> by trying to circumvent it and go around it and right. saying, you know, this person doesn't need time with Christ. We've all figured it out already. This right. author's figured it out. This preacher's figured it out. This church, you know, come do it like we do. And, um, you know, it's just like any child who was adopted in a new family, any, any child that's born into a new family, any time a, a cousin comes and visits from out of town and is going to stay a summer with his grandparents or another, you, you have to give that person some time to acclimate themselves to their new relationship that they now have. Yeah. And to really encourage the safety and security of that relationship. I wonder if in our churches if we didn't focus on how safe and secure that relationship is for the first year that a person is a believer. Yeah. And to teach them about that. And what I find is that the people the more safe and secure a person feels with God and I don't mean that God is a safe God in the sense that he's not awesome and mighty and right, powerful right, right, right. but when they establish in their own mind when they I think the word appropriate would be the best word when they appropriate the truth of the cross to their selves, to their lives, realizing that Satan has been disarmed, that uh, sin has been defeated, that life is theirs eternally and presently and when they see those things, I have found that the moral challenges that they face, the moral changes that the church is trying to get to happen, happen organically.
1: Well, and that's what I was going to say is even the even the acts of service that we so desperately need so often in our in our church families in our church structure. What you find is is that as people. Feel the security in Christ that they have. And, you know, and, and as they begin to realize, as Jesus said, the Father holds you in his hands and nothing can remove you. As they begin to, um, that word was removed, by the way. If, <laughs> as as they realize. That's the Greek. You know, as they with Paul become persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Right. You know, um, what happens is, is, is almost naturally they begin to serve. You know, that's what begins to happen is they begin to look for places where they can serve, not out of an attitude of guilt, not out of an attitude of being coerced, not of an attitude of, well, they've asked me 20 times, I better do this, but out of an attitude of, I want other people to experience what I've experienced, and I want to use what God has given me. To help that, and so you know whether they're serving in some plate ministry, whether they're serving as a teacher, whether they're serving in, by singing in a choir, whether they're serving by whatever you know whatever they do, they start to look for ways to use what God has given them to serve. Organically is the is is a really good word. It yeah. just happens, you know. It yeah, just... and
0: that's both in the church in the sense of of the organization and outside of right. It. I mean, I can name countless Christians who are really good church members but who have really struggled in their role as father and husband and friend sure and it's because at church they found a system that they can plug into yep. but at home the system hasn't there's no system there's yep. there's there's a there's there's no authority there's no headship there's no leadership there's no true divine purpose and reason why are we here yep. you know why are we a family why are we connected and once you find out the the correct role that a husband plays and the correct role that a spouse plays and the correct role that children play, and once, once those are are given real purpose by the connection that you have with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, once, once that grace really seeps into you, it's like we say. It's almost it, it becomes who we are, yeah. not what we do. Right, right. And it grows out of us. And now we're speaking pretty deeply to people who are like, well, how does that begin? And it begins, first of all, understanding what the cross did. Yeah. The cross set you free from the standards-based acceptance of the law. Uh, Paul tells us that the law was designed as a tutor to, to bring us to Christ. Yep. And the one thing the law does, and we've heard this great illustration. I, I don't think there's a better illustration. If there was, I'd use one. The law serves as the mirror. And we stand before the mirror, and it doesn't matter what our opinion of ourselves is. It doesn't matter what our feelings about ourselves are. It doesn't matter how much other people approve of us or disapprove of us. The law speaks very honestly of who we are. You know, if I read the commandments, and I just take two or three of the commandments, and I use that and couple that with the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives in Matthew, I can very quickly tell you that in my natural man, apart from Christ, I was a liar and a thief right, yeah. and a murderer and an adulterer. Yeah. I can tell you that plainly. Not because I committed all those acts openly, but my heart possessed the desire for many of those behaviors. Yeah, right, And because of that, when that mirror is shined upon who I was naturally, apart from Christ, and God says to me, but I've done something. I've fulfilled all of that law, and if you will accept my fulfillment, and the cross where I proved who I was to the world and to you, if you will believe that, I'll remove the works-based acceptance. I'll remove that, and I'll become your acceptance between you and the Father. Right,
1: right.
0: And uh, and the reason most people don't understand what I just said, Steve, is that most of us um, grew up believing that all God was doing in Christ was forgiving us. Yeah. But he was doing so much more than that. Yep. He was atoning for us. He was adopting us. He was accepting us. He was becoming our sanctification and our wisdom yep. and our love and, and all of those towards us things that we talked about yep. several months <laughs> ago in <on> the podcast. <laughs> and when you lock into that, you start to, you see the world differently. Yeah. You begin to see the difference between real spiritual relationship and relationships and what religion has substituted for those things. Yeah. And what the world has tried to substitute yep. for those things.
1: You um, you know, as a youth pastor, I've got kids who have grown up in church all their lives, and most of which, when they come into the youth ministry, when they um, promote into the youth ministry on Promotion Sunday, you know, most of them come having already accepted Christ. You know, they've done the thing, because it's almost a rite of passage, yeah in our area in the South, you know that you walk the aisle that you you let the preacher dunk you or throw water on you or whatever right and um and you get saved and so most of the kids that come to my youth ministry come with some background of having had this experience, and what they've heard in Sunday school and what they've heard in church up to the point they get to youth ministry is you know this is how you need to live now, this is how you need to live, and it's interesting they also hear this. If you're really a Christian, you'll want to live this way. Right. You'll want to do this. And, and that's one of those things that's always been very, that was for the longest time for me, very disconnected from reality because you know, if
0: you got honest you would say no, no I don't
1: I don't want to go out and witness to people I don't necessarily want to pray right now you know I don't always want to I'm not like that guy we were listening to before we got started with the podcast who every morning wakes up and hits <laughs> his car and is praising the Lord yeah. you know that I'm the guy who wakes up in the morning I'm like oh my gosh here we are it's morning right. I hate mornings you know and and and,
0: and so in your mind it was either, I have to continue to say this because it's what everybody else has said. Right. You'll want to love the Lord. You'll want right. to serve. You'll want to do. Or you'll think, what did they get that I didn't get?
1: Right, right.
0: And, and you'll always us, be questioning.
1: Right, right, And most people, what they do is they just spout out what you know, yes, what they think you want to hear. A repetition. Um, and so it's interesting. When I'm teaching my kids and I ask them a question and they start to give those little Sunday school answers, and I'm just like, no, I don't think I'm going to accept that right now, right? You know, or when I ask them to expound on it, or when I, you know, and you start to push the limits of of their understanding to move into this this teaching of, do you understand what it is that God has fully done for you? You know, like right now in in on Wednesday nights we're going through the Book of Romans. The reason we're doing that is because I was getting a lot of questions about eternal security. I was getting a lot of questions about um, what if I'm saved but I do this, or what if I'm saved? But I think this. Someone said I'm supposed to be this as a Christian. What does that mean? And so we started to go through Romans to really kind of peel back and see what it is that God has done for us. And you know, and the first thing Paul tells us in Romans is is that because of sin, none of us have access to the Father. Because of sin, none of us can get to God, and it's all equal. It's all level ground as that as it pertains to that, and that the law does no good when it comes to Pleasing God that we cannot through fulfilling through 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 trying to do what the law says to do, you know, be pleasing to God and right. and and come into a relationship with Him. Because
0: inevitably motivations will be wrong right. or actions will be wrong. Right. That's what the law does. Yes. You either do it out of the wrong motivation or you, or you fail up, at it. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And um, you know, and then and and so it's finally by about chapter four. I mean, because Paul really, it's neat because he starts out in chapter 1 and he makes that declaration, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And then he says, because in it the righteousness of God is revealed. You know? And so it's like, all right, the righteousness of God revealed through the gospel. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against sin. And he just start, and it's like, well, th- what happened to the gospel, Paul? Right. You know, for the next two chapters, you're like, what ha-? Well, when he hits chapter 4, he's like, but here's the deal, faith. Right. You know, when you put your faith in Christ, when you put your faith in the work that Christ has done, you're justified. Right. And he uses that term justification. It's you know, the, the righteousness is given. It is bestowed. It is it is it is um uh, accounted to us. Right. You know, based on the faith, our faith, our trust in what Christ did, the work that Christ did on the cross. And that's where And, you know, when we talk about that, you know, with with the kids, and it's like, you realize what justified means. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just, okay, I understand that you did wrong, and you're sorry for it now, and I'm now going to overlook this. Justification is, I've wiped the slate clean. Right. You know, the person that you were, okay, it's fine. I'm done with that. Right. This here's something totally new for you. I declare you righteous. Right. I I bestow upon you my righteousness, says God, based on nothing else than you trusted me.
0: Right, right.
1: And just starting from that, that's huge.
0: Right. And you can you can swim in that pool of goodness for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. And and you know justification being right standing, yes. right connection, right relationship.
1: Well, we use the old. Justified, never sinned. Yeah, justified, never sin. To be justified, but here's the here's
0: the great place where in most Christians the problem for that to click in, Steve, is this, and uh, that for most believers they'll agree with you up to that, but then their thought of what grace continues to do is the failure. Yeah, it is. All right, I know God made me right that day I got saved, but what about the behaviors that haven't lined up with Him since then? Yeah, Yeah. And what they don't realize is that that justification stretches in both directions yes. throughout time. Yeah. We get—I had a preacher tell me this one day, and it was just an eye-opening thing. Because we have received the very life of Christ, not only do we have an assurance of his future, but we actually have traded to our account the righteousness of his past. Yeah. And so my past has been replaced with the past of Christ, and my future has been guaranteed with the guarantee of Christ. And so from now on, my sin does not separate me from God. It separates me from potential blessings. It separates me from enjoying this experience. It leaves its scars. It wounds us. It damages my testimony. Stephen, I'll be the first to tell you we don't play with sin. Right. We don't think we don't take sin lightly, but we keep it in its place. We don't allow it to have the place of victory that it used to have.
1: Well, yeah, and that's where and that's where as you go on through the book of Romans. Like right now, we've been for eight weeks probably in Romans chapter eight. I mean, you know, we just you we we were kind of going through, and it and it was funny because my kids give me a hard time because we'll park somewhere and stay there, and and I told him, I warned him, I said, guys, when we get to the eighth chapter, we'll be there a while because there's so much to take in, there's so much to go through, you know, and that's where Paul makes that statement that we've not been. Given a spirit of slavery that leads again to fear, but we've been given a spirit of adoption, right. You know, we're not we, he's we're under obligation not to the flesh, right. You know, to live according to the flesh. we we don't we don't
0: owe sin anything, right.
1: And I think that's what a lot of a lot of believers, they come to the table and they're like, well, I'm still human, I'm still going to fail. right.
0: And we forget what dominion is. like in the garden, I'm a dominionaire, buddy. yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> please look up Dominionaire. everyone. <laughs> has to look up we live for god homie but uh we uh you have to see this now this is this is pretty cool in the garden adam is given dominion over his world yeah yeah and he yields that dominion to the to the devil yes well the bible says that christ on the cross made public display of the ordinances Mm -hmm. that were against man, the authority that the devil had. Yeah. Crushing his head. Mm -hmm. Crushing his face. And so he has been disarmed. Right. And so when we think about that in context, the devil only has the authority in our lives that we yield to him. Right, right. And we're under no obligation to yield. Yes. Before we were saved, we couldn't help but yield because we were natural. Right. We were sinful, we were under the curse, but now we are supernatural, we are spiritual and we are free from the curse. Yep. Now, when we yield, you know, to whomever we place ourselves under their authority, we 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 suffer and deal with the consequences of those behavioral choices. Yep. The good thing about God's grace is, however, is that the moment that we recognize that And we we use this churchy term, repent, Mm -hmm. but it should just mean once we come to our senses and realize how foolish we've been, it's not as if God requires us to go through 87 steps or processes to, quote-unquote, get back to Him. He's right there. He's right there. And He's like, okay, you're finished doing that foolish thing? Now we can move forward. And I think sometimes in grace circles, we so sugarcoat That, that, but we need to be very aware that behavior matters. And what God intends is for us to have true, gracious, godly behavior. Mm -hmm. Not just doing the right thing, but being the right person. Right, right. And that takes a lot more than just a Sunday school checklist (laughs) or the 12 things I am or am not going to do. That is a, that is a, see, once you realize that the Bible, is there for you to recognize how to take authority in your life? Your Bible study means something. Yeah, yeah. It 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 go, it, it, it's, it goes away from well. I ought to read this to like man. I get to read this, and because of who I am in Christ, I'm amazed that I read this. But practically, I got to read this. Right. Not in a I've got to because that makes God happy. But. Right. If God has I spoken to this. me, I need, I need this. this. I want this. Yeah. And and all of those little churchy statements that we make about you'll want to, they they do have that grain of truth in them. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the it's the problem is that we we never get people to the point of understand what we mean by you'll yeah. want to do this. Yeah.
1: And that's and that's as a youth pastor, it was really cool to have a kid look at me and say, "Why am I supposed to want to do this? What you know? Right. I don't really want to do this, Mister Steve." And to be able to say, "Well, here's." Let me help you want to, right. you know. Let me show you why someone can say that and mean it, not because all of a sudden your wants are supposed to change. And I think that's what a lot of people think is when they, when they accept Christ, that there's this immediate change. And so, and for some people there is. Like I know several people who, who there really truly is this immediate change. But then there are those of us who grew up in church, you know. Right. Then there are those of us who've been around it that when we accept Christ. Not a lot changes. Yeah, there's you not know, a whole lot of lifestyle right, stuff to deal right. with. We're not the st- obvious stuff. Yes, we're not stepping out of out of out of the life of the world into the <laughs> life in Christ. You know that that there isn't. I yeah. mean, and so and so the work that God has to do, or the the work that God will do, is in some ways a lot deeper. You know, to really get past the surfacey stuff. Yeah. You know, to get past the stuff that we already quote unquote know about him to really begin to to change us or to get us to see the change that he's made. And, you know, so for a lot of these kids, they're like, I don't understand the want to, Mr. Steve, because this is just, you know, I have to be here, you know, right. or I know I'm supposed to. And, so,
0: and, and so quite d- frankly, we've sold the want to for stuff that God may or may not be interested in. Truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, God may or may not want your church to be doing this. Right. And so when you're trying to get everybody to go in this direction and he's like, you know, do it or don't, I don't care, yeah. because, you know, and I, I hate to be so familiar with God, but I believe there are things that God says, you can do that, and that's awesome, or you cannot do it, and that's awesome. There's there's a big, you know, His will is is, is just it's wide open, and, and, you know, God may put something really deep on my heart, my mind, and my consciousness. I may, everywhere I go, I may hear a song about it, or music, or, right. or get a scripture verse, or, you know, God communicates to all of us in these very personal and different ways. And I may come into you and I may say, Steve, here's what God's doing. And you can rejoice in that for me. And then I say, Hey man, don't you think you ought to and you look at me and go, No, I, no, I don't think I
1: should do that. I don't at think all. I should do that at all.
0: <laughs> you know? It's like I can't sing. Right. But I love people who can. But if someone came to me and said, We want God, we think God is calling us to do this, 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 and this, why don't you join us? And I would say, Well, you know, I'm sorry, man. And ne- nobody negative intri-
1: ghostwriter, the pattern is full. <laughs>
0: But the reality is nobody in church would think twice if I said no. Right. Because my that, that lack of talent would sure. be obvious. But it's not so obvious when you don't possess certain other talents. And so people try to fit us into the mold that we were not made. Now, one caution here is some grace folks will say no to everything.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's I don't think that's healthy. Right. I think I think we're We have to be open to God challenging us in areas that we were never challenged before. And that's part of the grace walk as well, where you're just kind of walking along. You're satisfied with Christ. You know he loves you. You're plugged in. And all of a sudden, a whole new—and I'll use a church word, ministry, but just a whole new life direction opens up. And a lot of grace people will be resting so much in the Mm -hmm. finished work of Christ that they'll fail to realize that there's somebody else out there that needs— what you have right
1: right
0: and uh, and uh, and if you've been wounded by legalism you'll you your fight might be the complete opposite of the other person you know there's that person out there whose behavioral system was so out of whack that what grace does for them is really bind some stuff up and lose some other stuff and say you can't do that or you can't go there or you can't have that in your life and that's just as gracious as him saying to the legalist Hey man, it's cool if you do this and it's right. cool if you do that. And in church, we have to recognize that we're all walking in the general same direction, but we're all on our own different path. And there are times when those paths converge and we do an amazing thing for God, but we go to our own individual lives and families, and God's doing unique and special stuff there. Yep. And I, you know, cookie-cutter Christianity <clears throat> is is so dangerous. Yeah. You yeah. know, because it, 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 you know, and I see this in ministry with pastors. You know they'll get somebody's book or somebody's how-to series, and instead of gleaning what God would practically say for the people I have, what of this can I put into place? And there's some great resources out there. All they see is, well, I'm not like him, right? Or I'm I'm not as good as him, or or or
1: or they yeah, and they and they try to then make themselves themselves into that what that is yeah yeah yeah, and it just yeah it's it can be frustrating right? It's like. It's like we have this model of ministry, and they'll name a church, you know, that, yeah. that that is a popular church or a big church. You know, we use this model of ministry, for, and it's like, okay, what about the Jesus model of ministry? <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's you know, and it and it's a thing where it, here
0: here's it's one okay, of, you know, yeah. it's
1: okay to be different. It's okay to even even in a community have churches that are different. Right. You know, and and it's. As long as, and I qualify this based on I guess my legalistic upbringing, <laughs> but as long as the basics are the same, you know, right. as long as we recognize it's Christ and Him crucified, that the, it is the gate that is narrow, not the path beyond the gate right. that is narrow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I think a lot of people, we get we get honed in on that straight and narrow. Yeah. You know, and and they say that's the way you're supposed to live the rest of your life. No, the gate. Yeah. The way in is narrow, and and there's only one way in. Yeah. Beyond that, it's wide open, yeah. as that song says, "Fields of Grace." Right, you know, to and and. And we serve a God that's an imaginative God, right? You know, you look at creation and you see the imagination of God. You look at the duck billed platypus; no one could have come up with that <laughs> thing, but but an imaginative God, right? And because he has such a broad imagination, because he's so creative, he's created us all so differently right. that we're able to to, as you say, those paths converge sometimes, and it'd be amazing. But then. At the same time, go and do what, what it is he has for us based on what he's created us to be, right. you know, in the M, and, an, and, and I think we forget that so many times as Christians because we're so scared that if, if someone takes this little journey, well, they're going to come back a lot different, or we feel guilty that we're not taking that journey. Right, right, you know? right, right.
0: And, One of the things, though, that I have seen in, in, um, in grace communities, though, is the kind of tune in and tune out kind of mentality. You'll have someone who is in a church, and they'll kind of God will begin to reveal to them how 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 real the relationship is and how much He loves them, and instead of understanding that, I'm use word I very rarely use, but the obligation mm-hmm. that that person then has to share that truth, grace people can tend to look around and say all of the people who don't have grace, and instead of giving them grace, <laughs> that losers. They move away. Yeah. And the reality is that Christ was a community builder. He he built a community around the truth, and it, it had people who were really strong and people who were really weak, mm-hmm. and it, it had people flood in and flood out, had a core group of people that he could depend on yeah, <laughs> and who depended on him. <clears throat> But even they were shaken to their core. Yeah, And I think sometimes as grace people, it's very easy to get fed up with organization and fed up with religion and just throw our hands up and say, well, I'll just go home with me and my Bible. Mm-hmm. Not recognizing that one of the most gracious things God's, God does is use us in community to connect with one another. And, you know, that was something that I had to learn because I had to learn not to be the Lone Ranger Christian.
1: Yeah, Yep.
0: Because once you understand that you're not going to lose your salvation, a lot of people will say, then I don't need church. Because the only reason they're going to church is to maintain their salvation. Right, right, right. Seriously. You know, I've had people say, why would you go to church if God just loves you because he loves you because he loves you? Right. And you're saying... Well, then you've never really gone to church. Yeah. you've Well, let me rephrase. You've gone to church, but you've not been the church. You've not experienced. You've not experienced it because Christ is the head of the church, and all of us jointly fitting together, we, we do amazing things by his power and his love. And so, you know, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't either one of us believe that the church, the church as an institution, may have some crumbling, but the church is a reality. The church is the body of Christ is, is going to always be strong because he's strong. Yep. We just have to realize that we need to find those people that we can connect with and support and love into grace and about grace. Um, but one of the, the things, I want to go back to something we talked about at the very beginning, Steve, was because um, I'm sitting here thinking about what about the person who is right now in a very legalistic system, and their mind is blown by the fact that we talk about you know, watching television or right. listen to and we think to ourselves um because even most but um, we're both dressed like tourists today. Yes, we're dressed like tourists in our shorts and <laughs> hats. I have a hat on in church. Um but how do I put this? This what I'm about to say may not make much sense at all to anyone who has who is in a regular kind of mainstream denomination, I don't know. But there are tons of people out there who are convinced that how they sit in church, how they stand in church, what they wear in church, what they wear out of church, what they listen to, what they don't listen to, that all of these things are determining factors in how much God accepts them and loves them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to start naming denominations or pointing out specific examples because it's so culturally and societally located to various regions of the nation mm-hmm. and the world yep. that I couldn't pinpoint what the particular strangeness is for a particular yeah. group of people. But I know that every single region has, has its something. particular yep. strangenesses. Yep. And what we want to say is, man, you don't have to have that stuff to have God. Right? God is not about and fill in the blank, God is about personal relationship with the individual. Now, he may call you if you're going to be in a specific ministry area or he's going to gift you to work with a certain group of people. He may call you to limit your liberty. I believe yeah. Paul teaches us yeah. that, that, yeah. hey, I'm going to become all, men, all things to all men so that I might save some. In other words, I, I am prepared to limit my liberty around group A Or group B or group C in order to win them. But here's how you know the difference between limiting your liberty and being under legalism. The difference is, are you doing it voluntarily because God is asking you to do it? Right, And a lot of grace people have found that out over the years. You know, I uh, I, I was, I think both of us grew up in the South where you didn't fish or you didn't mow your grass on Sunday or you didn't wash your car, mm. or you wore, you you know, the women wore dresses to church. The fellas, you, you wouldn't wear a ball cap inside, uh, you know, and, and uh, part of those things, they really take on a life of their own. And I think some people aren't sensitive to that, Steve. Some people can hear that and think, okay, that's no big deal. Right. That's just how it is. But if you're more kind of inquisitive like i was you really do begin to look into stuff and go what is the point of that what are they trying to say right. and what you find out is that it's a misunderstanding of scripture it's a misappropriation of the sabbath yep. it's a misunderstanding of what paul is telling the people in corinth about their dress or their hair length it, it's really it's a it's a it's an adoption and an adaption to what came before rather than to what is now. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's and it really does put a wedge. And it makes, you know, I love being a Jesus freak, but I want to be a Jesus freak for the right reason. Right. My right. passionate love for Christ and his passionate love for me. Not because I dress or look or act so uniquely different that I can't be comfortable or confident in any social circle. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I want to be able to present myself so that my appearance doesn't mark me for good or bad. I yeah. want to be able to relate to people. Jesus did that. There's no indication that <clears throat> Christ appeared any way other than as a normal Jewish Just dude. Just a dude, yeah. I mean, as, as the, the fact of, you know, here come these soldiers, and he's got to be pointed out. Right. That's yeah. the one. You know, you know, you know, and the scriptures even said there's nothing about him that was remarkable. Right. And and boy, you look on television and you look at the illustrations, examples that we have of ministers and ministry, and you ask yourself, is that in any way congruent and connectable to the world that they're supposed to minister to? Right. Now, obviously, if we don't partake in certain moral behaviors— immoral behaviors (laughs) (laughs) we're going to look a little different than the people who curse and 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 you know fill in the blank of whatever behavior pattern they have um but i don't think we need to go out of our way to be so freakishly different yeah yeah you know
1: and and i think that works on both both ends of the spectrum though as well we don't need to go out of our way to be so freakishly different from the world but once you've found this grace you don't need to go so out of your way to be freakishly different from everyone in the church you know it's, it's what you were saying about uh, about the making the choice yeah. to give up liberty you know and 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 i and i know several people personally who just they never seem to get that you know yeah. that it was always i'm going to shove my freedom down your throat yeah and you have no right to tell me right. you know that i can't do this or i can't be this way and it's like, no, you're right. They don't have the right to do that. But guess what you don't have the right to do? Right. Be a jerk about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of times when we get caught up in grace, we can tend to be in, you know— Almost if, arrogant about right, it. Right, And And the thing is, is suddenly that's just a new way of—that is the deception of yep. the flesh, and that is and that is how deceptive the enemy is. It's a is.
0: misappropriation of stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has right. set you free. Part of liberty, part of true freedom, is the exercise of the other. Right. Of saying, I could do this, and God would not have a problem with me doing this right. in my personal walk. Right. But I'm not going to do it because I know the negative impact it would have on these 12 brothers or these 15 mm-hmm. sisters or these this group of people. I know how that would look to them. And since they're weaker— or since they're stronger, or since they're growing, it would be foolish for me to be the stump, me to be the stumbling block right, that kept them right. from going. Now, you know, if they're the Pharisees, sure, if they're the law keepers, if they're right. the keep or the how the personal deciders of the right. keeping of the law, I don't have any problem no. busting their bubble. Oh, sure, sure, you know, and but then,
1: <laughs> and you know the difference. Like it's yeah, easy to know the difference. It's very
0: easy. Um, For instance, if I were to go uh, into a denomination that was different from mine and everyone was to stand during a certain song, well, I'm going to stand during that (laughs) song. Or if I'm communicating with someone who has a different theological position than me, I'm not going to go out of my way, if it's a nitpicky little thing, to stick my particular theological position in their face. Right. Right. Now, if they ask me about grace, if they ask me about salvation, if they ask me about a certain... And it's a genuine question. You know, I'm going to offer them like Christ did. You know, Christ was not afraid to be confrontational with people's opinions if he felt like the answer would get them to a better place. But when it came to dealing with their nonsense, he just flat out said, you know, they'd ask him a question. And he would artfully... Work around it and say, you're not worthy of an answer. Yeah. Yeah. He knew the difference. He knew the difference between a Pharisee and a Zacchaeus. He knew the difference between between, you know, when it's time to turn those money tables over and when it's time to tell people, hey, see that temple over there? The real temple's gonna be knocked down and in right. three days I'm gonna build right. it again. So you have this one story where he acts as if this building is the most important place on the planet. Why? Because mm-hmm. they were blocking the worship aisle of the Gentiles. He wasn't going to have that. Destroys it. But then he turns right over to this other group of people and he teaches them a spiritual lesson. He says, that building's not the key. Right. I'm the key. He knew his audience. Yep. And grace people should know their audience yep. and know how far to press things and when to pull back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I, I, am, I am very sensitive to that person who grew up in a denomination or a background. And and cultural things were very important, mm-hmm. societal things of how they present themselves and what they say. I mean, I'm a very, very just, you know, I, we're Southerners. And so I'm very big on teaching my children manners and yes, yeah. ma'am and no, ma'am. And I believe there's some real spiritual uh, reasons for that. But I never equate those things with whether or not I love them sure, or whether they're approved right, or whether God can use them. And I teach those as ways to communicate his love mm-hmm. rather than, now, what do you say? What do you say? Right. Well, you ever seen a parent do that with their child? The yeah. child won't say thank you or yes, ma'am, and what do you say? And eventually the child's getting a spanking, and it was just like the sucker was really good. That's how we were raised. Yeah. You know, yes, <laughs> yeah. definitely. I was raised that the most important thing you could do would be polite. Right. And— and the reality is there are times, I think, as parents, that we have to stand back and and see the reaction that our child gives from what they've just received mm-hmm. and realize that that is the thanks. Right. You know, and I've had people say, your children are the most mannerly, well-behaved. You know, I've had people say yeah. that. And, but if you watch how we rear them, it's not a constant focus on behavior. It has its place. We have boundaries. We have rules. Right. But they are. We try to keep them in the context of of what's good for them and best for them, as yeah. opposed to, well, doggone it, this is how it's expected sure, to be done. Sure, because that's how God does with me. Whatever He places in my heart, He does so in connection with a real purpose behind right, it. Right, right. Well, we've gone far field. And we've recorded yeah, we, yeah, for a we, long time. <laughs> Not bad well, we're, for us well, having... We're about
1: an hour in. You, normally, you know, we'll, we'll have to split it into two parts, go two yeah.
0: hours. But, but I think this will be good. Yeah. So um, we want to thank you for listening to today's uh, episode of Matchless Cast. You can uh, find us online at matchlesscast.com, twitter.com forward slash... Matchless Cast. Matchless Cast. And uh search for Matchless Cast on Facebook. We're Facebook.com forward slash matchless cast. Yeah, so it's matchless cast all At, over the place. Across the board. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um we've got some exciting news coming up on our next couple of podcasts we'll Hopefully. let you know about some new websites and some new things that we're uh we just feel like God is leading us towards and uh we're gonna let you in on that. Um but for now this will serve as a teaser.
1: Yeah, and we'll get better.
0: Or maybe we won't. <laughs> We be loving God, homie.
1: God, homie. <laughs>
0: Bye. G O D. God, homie. Uh-huh. K Joe on the mic. Be flat on the track.